Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We're going to read um, our scripture, which is um, in Joshua, and we're going to be starting in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, When the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, And bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Morning, guys. Um, Since Mike took up, most of the time, I'll just pray and we'll enter communion. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm, I'm freezing. Um, I see some of you guys have your jackets on. I don't know. Um, I don't know if the heat's not on. I was talking to a couple today, and they moved from the Caribbean to Toronto. And I was like, that's a mistake. <laughs> I was like, that's... Um, yeah, so it's so good to have you guys here today. Uh, if you're new here, uh, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the leaders here. And right now, we're in our series, uh, a Joshua series, and we've preached on things like influence through mission, influence through dependence, influence through boldness, and today I'll be preaching on influence through witness. Joshua is a very important story of God's faithfulness and his redemptive story for his people. And over and over again, the book of Joshua says that the Lord is giving something to his people. But we have to take a step of faith and obedience to receive it, or we might actually not receive the blessing, the joy, and the rest that God wants for us. And Joshua says in chapter 3 that in order for us to walk out in faith, we actually have to consecrate ourselves. In other words, God wants us us to set ourselves apart from the world, to lay down our fleeting dreams and desires in order that we can live for a greater mission that will last for all eternity. We'll see later that the 12 stones that Joshua sets up in the Jordan River was a visual representation and witness to the next generation to show God's faithfulness. Should have a logo here. The Apple logo. So you guys should be familiar with with this logo. This is a Apple logo on April, you Android users. Shh, I'm kidding. (laughs) On April 1st, 1976, Apple was founded 
by college dropout Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, who brought the new company a vision of changing the way people viewed computers. In 2019, it was estimated that the company is worth $1 trillion. Their vision statement, to bring the best user experience to its customers through its innovative hardware, software, and services. All right, next logo. Nike. Uh, the company was founded on January 25th, 1964. It was originally called Blue Ribbon Sports. And it was founded by Bill Bowerman and Phil Knight and officially became Nike Incorporated on May 30th, 1971. The company actually takes its name uh, from Nike, um, the Greek goddess of victory. Their vision statement, to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. All right, last logo. I was actually gonna use like a McDonald's logo, but I thought that might be very distracting because you guys are start thinking about like fries and Big Macs and things like that. And now I'm getting distracted. <laughs> uh, Amazon was founded by Jeff Bezos on July 5th, 1994. Amazon was founded in his garage. Uh, his parents invested almost $250,000. And in 1994, that's like a lot of money. In July 1995, the company began service as an outline, uh, as an online bookstore, and to date is the world's largest online retail. And their vision statement, our vision is to be Earth's most customer-centric company, to build a place where people can come and find and discover anything they might want to buy online. And so their, their hope actually right now, there's like prime... Uh, what, two-day or is it one-day shipping? They're hoping to get, uh, their hope is in the future is to get like one-hour shipping, right? So like how, how crazy is that? Um, so Apple and Nike and Amazon, their logo is a visual representation of the legacy they want to leave behind. And for a lot of us, the visual representation that we want to leave behind is something else besides what the Lord wants for you. And for some of you, it might be your career or your bank account. You want people to know how successful and how independent you are. For others, your hope or the legacy you want to leave is in romance. You're thinking, if I only find love, like I'll feel complete. For others, the legacy you might want to leave is in your beauty or in your looks. For others, your legacy you might want to build is in the approval of your parents or in people. For parents sitting here today, your legacy might be in the representation of your kids, whether they turn out well or if they don't. The scripture says that every single one of us, there's something that's sitting at the throne of our hearts where only God should rule and reign. But he wants so much more for us. He wants blessing, joy, peace, and a greater purpose for living. And so my prayer today as we walk through the next seven, uh, the next seven, not chapters, the next seven verses, that we would see the legacy and witness that God wants to leave for the next generation, and that's to live in love like Jesus so that the world can experience rest and relationship with God. So if we see in verse one, 
When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, okay, well, so we'll stop right there. Um, the people of God had just finished passing the, the Jordan River. We've seen a few verses before that God had gone before them to prepare the way. The Levitical priests had taken the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the nation of Israel. And Joshua and the people of God didn't know how they were going to get past the river or how they're going to cross. But they had to take a step of faith to trust the Lord. And what does this tell you about God? It shows you that if he calls you into something, he's already going before you and preparing the way. Joshua chapter 1 says that God wants you to succeed and prosper. But you have to have faith in him as provider. And for you guys sitting here today, what is preventing you from seeing God's faithfulness in your lives today? I mean, often we let our circumstances dictate God's goodness and faithfulness. If we're going through a tough time, it must mean that God doesn't care. It must mean that he doesn't love me. It must mean that he's not there. If something happens at work or in our families or with our bank account, we almost always associate feelings and circumstances with, with who God is. The knee-jerk reaction to difficult circumstances is, why God? Instead of, I trust God. Often we blame God. We don't think he has the best intentions for us. I mean, there are people in this room that are doubting God's goodness because you've forgotten to look at the gospel. I mean, if he wouldn't withhold his only son to die for your sins, who experienced hell and death on the cross for your sake, why would he withhold anything else from you? I mean, if death, sin, and hell, and wrath wouldn't stop him from loving you, what makes you think that your circumstances are bigger than his promises? I want to share a uh, personal story. That's, yeah, that's, that's my mom. And eight years ago, she was deemed uh, terminally ill with colon cancer. In other words, the cancer was so aggressive and spreading so fast that she actually only had three to six months to live. She spent her whole life living a life of faith, serving Jesus, and sacrificing for those around her. As a child growing up, she spent a lot of her time teaching me and my three older brothers to hear, trust, and obey God. Whether it was teaching us to sing songs in Korean, which we're terrible at, taking us to Sunday school, or teaching us the Bible. She wanted to leave a legacy behind that showed the faithfulness of God. And although the doctor said she only had three to six months to live, the cancer spread so fast that she actually passed away a few weeks later. And in the world's eyes, this is seen as a tragedy. But as followers of Jesus, her story and life is a living testimony of the power and promises of God. And my mom had the privilege of serving God her whole life, and now she's sitting at the banquet feast, having the choicest wines and the best meats with the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. I mean, death was defeated and redeemed through Jesus so that even Satan's worst for us, and God turned for our best. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, For this light momentary affliction 
is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Fix your eyes on God who is good, who is provider, who is gracious, who is merciful, who is pursuing you with a weight of love that is so deep and so wide and so high that you can't even begin to imagine. Then Joshua says in verse 2, Take 12 men from the Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay, down, lay them down in a place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. All right, let's stop there. The stones here represented a witness to the next generation of how mighty God was and that the people actually walked forward in obedience and in faith. In the season that our church is in right now, God doesn't just want to appoint 12 people. He wants to appoint and commission all of us who are part of this church to do something significant and incredible for the kingdom of God. Now You might be sitting there thinking, well, how can God use me? I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. I just became a follower of Jesus. I'm still sorting this whole faith thing out. I'm still struggling with the same sins I've been struggling with for months and months or even years. And the misperception is God only uses the best and the most strong to usher in his kingdom. But that's far from the truth. If we look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, the latter part to... Verse 9, you'll see, <coughs> you'll see it says this. The Lord your God has chosen you to be, to, be a people for his, to be a people for his prized possession. Above all people, above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you are numerous than other peoples. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you. He swore to your fathers, he brought you, out of a, brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant of loving devotion for a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. God doesn't just need strong and mighty people to accomplish his will, but he needs obedient and faithful people. And all through scripture, you can see that God uses broken and sinful people so that in our weakness, when incredible things happen for the kingdom, that God gets the glory. When Jacob was a cheater, and Peter had a temper, David, adultery, Judas, a traitor, Jonah ran from God, Paul, a murderer, Gideon, insecure, Miriam, a gossiper, Martha, a warrior, Thomas, a doubter, Sarah, impatient, Lazarus, who was dead, God raised back to use for his glory. 
And God doesn't just use us because we are good, but it's because he is good. He doesn't use us because we are always faithful, but it's because he is always faithful. He doesn't use us because we are strong, but it's because he is strong for us. Our vision statement for this season is this, discovering identity and destiny in Christ through 5,600 people, influencing our city by partnering with 560 organizations and influencing our world through planting 56 churches. For a downtown church to do something like this would be a miracle. I mean, the very fact that we celebrated our sixth year anniversary in September is a miracle. There's hundreds of churches closing down every single year. And I've shared this before. Scientists have calculated the odds of one person being alive. They took into consideration uh, plagues, wars, diseases, deaths, uh, the ice age, all of these things. And the chances of one person being alive is 400 trillion. And so the very fact that we're alive, breathing, and sitting in this school in this time, with this new vision that God is giving us in our church, is a miracle and is intentional. That God wants to use you to impact our church and our city and the world. But not for your own sake or for worldly gain, but for the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In verse says this and Joshua said to them pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel in order for the stones to be laid as a monument to show the next generation the goodness of God they had to be unified in their mission Vision is what we want our church to look like out there in the future. And mission is how we're going to get there, how things are done. And the stone monument wasn't going to build itself. So the people of God had to work side by side, hand in hand, in unity. And TLC won't be everything it's called to be unless we are unified in the body of Christ. We have to live this one another lifestyle. The scripture references this over 60 times in the New Testament. It's loving one another, serving one another, carrying one another's burdens, sacrificing for one another, exhorting one another, rebuking one another, praying for one another. If you have the mentality of individualism, where it's all about your needs or your wants, you actually drain the kingdom of God. Uh, I, I got married, or we got married, not I, we got married... Uh, two months ago, and we went from complete strangers, uh, Yejin, um, for dating for five months to being engaged for two and now being married. And you can say, yeah, you can say we were very, very efficient. At least I knew exactly. I I mean, I I was at that age, so I knew exactly what I wanted, so I had to put a ring on it as as soon as possible, right? And the one question that people always ask is, how's the married life? And we sort of like look at each other and make sure we're on the same page. And one, two, three. It's, it's amazing. And we, we, genu- we genuinely mean it, though. It's been really, really awesome. I wouldn't be, should be 
There should be actually a picture of us. Yeah, that's sad. Take that picture. That was in like a dirty alleyway, but he made it look amazing. <laughs> so shout out to Saf. Oh, he's not here. Oh, he's out there. He's eating. Of course he's eating. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's watching Nolan. He's taking care. He's pointing to Nolan. Yeah, I, I would honestly, I wouldn't be the godly man that, that I am today if it wasn't without Yejin, her love, her sacrifice, her, her patience, and just her always pointing me to Jesus. Uh, when I got back from, or when we got back from vacation, our staff asked me, hey, like, you know, how's the married life? And I told them, I wish I was born married. I wish I was, I wish I was actually born married. Um, I had to wait like 32 years before God introduced me to Yejin. And I was reading, I was reminded of Genesis and uh, when Adam, he had to wait one chapter for God to bring him Eve. And I had to wait 32 years. <laughs> so stuff that I've been thinking about. And when Yejin and I both said yes at the altar, during our marriage ceremony, we were both committed to serving each other by sacrificing for one another so that we could be that everything God wants us to be. So we had to put aside our selfishness, our consumeristic mentality, our pride, and lay those, downs, lay those things down to see each other grow in grace. And for a lot of you sitting here today, you said yes to Jesus, but with partial commitment. I'll follow you, Jesus, if it doesn't hinder my goals or my plans. I'll follow you, Jesus, if it doesn't take too much commitment or sacrifice. I'll follow you, Jesus, if I can stay in control of my life. I'll follow you, Jesus, if it pays off and I have a great life. But if we know the Jesus of the scriptures, he actually says, you can either renounce all that you have for my glory, die to yourself, carry your cross, or you can't follow me. He's pretty black and white. You can either be a follower of Jesus working towards ushering in his kingdom and his rule and his reign, or you actually hinder it. And there are people in this room right now that are struggling with your faith, and one reason might be because you're not surrendering something that's sitting at your heart right now. Following Jesus will cost you, and it will take up energy and time but it's worth it because one day we'll be sitting at the great banquet feast that Jesus is preparing for us. There will be no sin, no death, and we'll be celebrating for all eternity. So we need everyone to renounce consumerism. We need everyone to renounce selfishness. And we need everyone to renounce individualness, individualism in the name of Jesus so that we can be all that God has called us to be in this season. And then verse 6 says this, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come, what do those stones mean? And for some of you guys, you might be thinking, well, what stone does God want me to hold or want me to carry or, or lay down for the next generation to see as a witness? So here are at least four stones that you can help carry and be a part of right now practically. One of them is discipleship. This comes straight out of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Discipleship for the Christian is not an option. It's a mandate, it's an honor, it's a calling, and it's crucial for the kingdom work that each of us should be doing. 
I mean, older sisters, you, there are many of you guys here that younger sisters look up to and think that are cool and they admire you. And use that and disciple them. Older men, there are younger men in our church around you that admire you and look up to you. Use that to teach them to hear, trust, and obey God. And if you're sitting here and you're figuring out this faith thing and you want somebody to disciple you, you want somebody to teach you the Bible, to teach you to hear, trust, and obey, to mature you in Christ, take a step of faith and ask someone to disciple you. Uh, Number two, another stone that you can carry is in the new common. Uh, This is where, and this is straight from the website that we have, this is where we desire to empower the church to participate in God's plan by focusing on transforming the domains that form the grid of society, of health, education, governance, science, technology, communication, agriculture, economics, and social work. We are an asset-based, we are (coughs) asset-based, we have see the gifts and talents that people have and what God is already doing, and we come alongside of them and we push them forward. Uh, Number three, join a serve team. The church always needs volunteers and people to usher in the kingdom in our church. We have hospitality, worship, connections, Send City, um, set up. Uh, One of our main struggles is that we do not have enough people to serve our church. And most of us are carrying one or two stones. Adam's carrying like 18 stones by himself. And so, so... you know, we need help in our worship. We need help for setup. We need help in all these different departments of our church. And so I just want to encourage you guys in that if you guys uh, aren't sure where, uh, where to serve in, there should be a board out there that has cards on there that you can pick up and sort of read and see where you can get plugged in. The last sort of stone that we can carry or uh, we can set up and carry together is our BLGs. This is our, uh, what we call our small groups. This is where we experience deeper intimacy and community because it's much smaller. Uh, And our BLGs aren't just a Bible study, uh, but it's the body of Christ using their spiritual gifts to build each other up to hear, trust, and obey God. And every follower of Jesus has spiritual gifts. Maybe it's evangelism. Maybe it's the prophetic. Maybe it's shepherding. And God has given each of you spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ and to usher in the kingdom of God. So if you've been attending Trinity Life for some amount of time, I'd want to encourage you guys to get plugged into that. You guys can go on to our uh, online website and fill out some information and we'll contact you and we'll get you plugged in. So those are sort of four stones that you guys can carry and sort of be a a part of. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll come to a close here with this next few verses. Uh, Verse 7. Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. In the Old Testament, the stones were a visual representation of God's mighty and redemptive love left for the next generation. As Christians, our faith is not just about us and what we can get, but it's about what we can give. That's why we train leaders, we plant churches, we make disciples, we serve the church and we're salt, in, we're salt and light in our city and in the world. Uh, in the New Testament, stones were not merely seen as a, 
as something physical or a, an, an, an earthly element, but they're seen as something spiritual. And Peter sees this uh, in 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 5. And this is what Peter says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. The first verse is talking about Jesus. As you come to him means you have a personal relationship with him. This doesn't mean that you know a lot of things about Jesus, but that you are actually following his commands. Living stones means that he is the cornerstone in which we all stand as followers of God. God in his goodness has chosen us and he sees us as precious and valuable. And we couldn't do anything to earn his favor, but in his grace he gives us salvation. Then verse 5 says, You yourself, like living stones, he's talking to the church, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are the living stones being built up as a spiritual house. This means this house and body will continue to grow and mature and multiply. And this can only happen through sacrifices acceptable to God. In other words, our lives as followers of Jesus should be marked by sacrifice and service to the next generation so that they can experience and enjoy God forever. We aren't just setting up stones as a witness for the next generation to see, but we are the stones for the next generation to see. And nothing preaches Jesus louder than the way that you live and love. And so let's be a church that loves and lives radically and sacrificially for the glory and fame of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a provider. Um, thank you that you want to give us good gifts. You want to give us blessing. You want to give us joy. You want to give us rest. But some of us in this room are struggling in our faith because we don't want to give things up. We don't want to surrender. We're holding on to something. And so my prayer is that we would surrender that so that we can actually be released into more joy and more peace. And God, I pray that yeah, as we think about the legacy and witness that we want to leave behind for the next generation, that you would convict us and give us a sense of urgency to come alongside our church, Trinity Life, to be a part of something bigger than just ourselves. So God, empower us that we would be strong and courageous, not in our own strength or our own courage, but in the promise that you are with us. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.